Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. Well, I hope you guys had a great holiday couple of weeks. I know we enjoyed that with our family. Um, And last week we had some prayer and worship services and they were awesome if you got to make it to those. So we are, we kicked off January 1st, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I wanted to know from you guys, we're a week in now, if you've been doing it and it's been awesome, give me a thumbs up, a pie. If it's been really hard, give me a thumbs down, that's okay. And if like, nah, you don't really know, that's okay too. Awesome. It's so fun to see you guys participating in that. So we wanted to actually take these first uh, few weeks of the year and actually dig in to this idea of prayer and fasting. And I thought it was really cool how Carl set us up before Christmas. He talked about habits. And he said that um, if we want to grow and we want to change, we have to be willing to do something different. See, because the reality is that our habits things that we do all the time, even maybe the uh, subconscious ones, they are the things that actually reveal to us what we worship. And so every year I try to, um, maybe instead of setting New Year's resolutions, I try to think of a new habit that I want to pick up or maybe one that I want to lay down. And that matters, again, because that is how you can really reveal and see what it is that we truly worship. And so these 21 days of prayer and fasting, those are really just habits. And so my question to you this morning is, when you think about the habits that you have, are they ones that draw you closer to God? Or are they ones that kind of push you away from Him? Because the reality is that God created each of us, our design as humans, When he created Adam, it was for intimacy with him, for closeness and relationship with him. You know, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they walked in the garden with God. I mean, I love going on walks with people that I love, right? And the Bible says that they were naked and that they felt no shame. I mean, that, that's the definition of intimacy, right? So as a... As I was thinking about this, I remembered that there was like a diagram that I had seen once called Circles of Intimacy. And so um, I ended up drawing one for you guys so you guys can see that behind me. And you'll see that in the middle of this, in God's design, God is right there in the center of that. And outside of that ring is a ring that's a little bit bigger, and maybe your spouse or your best friend is there. And then you're close to your friends and family, and it goes out from there all the way to strangers. And I figured that when God created Adam and Eve, you know, he made Adam and he made him for a close relationship with him. And then he knew that he needed somebody to connect with. So he gave him Eve. And so she was in that second circle. And I figured since there weren't other people, it was probably like dogs and cats next. And then maybe like deer and squirrels and, you know, kind of like friendly creatures, (laughs) like Snow White's friends. And then, but out in that outer range, like that has to be like mosquito world, right? Like, no way. Like those, those are strangers out there. We don't really, they don't get to have any access to us. But I was actually looking online 
for a picture of that. And, and I did a Google search for circles of intimacy. And I actually got a picture of what came up. So you probably can't read any of that. I've got an up-close version for you to see here in a minute. But you'll notice that in the center of every single one of those pictures was not God. It says you, me, or self. And I thought, well, thank you, Google, for making the point that I was going to make. <laughs> because see what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit that they weren't supposed to was that they took God out of that God spot and they put themselves in it. They made themselves God. And it didn't go very well for him, did it? It wrecked their intimacy with God. And instead of no shame, now there was shame, and there was fear, and there was blame, and there was guilt and hiding. And if we really, really think about it, think about the Old Testament, and we boil it down to the very bare bones of all of those stories, isn't it really, really the story of God trying so hard to get back into that spot? And over and over again, God's people saying, no, I think we'd like to put this in that spot instead. No, how about this this time? And everything that they tried to put in it, it wasn't what was meant to go there. If you want to turn with me to Psalm 115, there's actually um, a pretty good description of that. It's verse 4. It says, Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. And so over and over and over again, the Israelites try to make these different idols out of silver and gold and put them in the God spot, and it doesn't work. It fails. But honestly, if we really think about it, isn't that the same thing that you and I do every single day? In fact, I would propose to you this morning that maybe most of our bad habits Aren't they really just things that we do to cope with that emptiness that sin leaves in us? But just like the Israelites, they're just silver and gold, and it doesn't fill that spot. You know, somebody last night came up to me afterward, and they said, yeah, it's like the God spot is a circle, and all these other things are squares, and they just don't fill it up all the way. I thought that was so smart. Now, we use all kinds of different things. We put all kinds of different things in that God spot. We put food, entertainment, pornography, social media. Some of us use things like achievement or busyness or even relationships. They're supposed to be on those outer rings, and they end up in that God spot. But none of it will fill it. Because that spot was never, ever, ever meant to be filled with anything besides an intimate and deep relationship with God, our Creator and Father. And the truth of the matter is that we cannot have that kind of relationship with Him as long as something else is sitting there. So we've got a problem, don't we? And my question to you today is, 
What are we going to do about it? It's amazing going back to this idea of prayer and fasting because I actually think that those are two habits that can help us clean out that God spot and get rid of what is in it, that's fasting, and then restore a right relationship with God through prayer. I don't want you to miss this opportunity that you have right now because this right here, it's the catalyst for true transformation. Like what could God do with your life this year? because you choose to put him where he's supposed to be. And so the first thing that we have to do is empty that God spot of the things that shouldn't be in it. I was reading a book called The Common Rule by Justin Whitmell Early, and he was talking about Adam and Eve when he's talking about fasting. And he says this, he said that Adam and Eve could have eaten from anywhere. They had a feast before them, but they chose to eat from the one tree, eat the fruit, where they tried to become God instead of celebrate God. They ate to become God instead of celebrate God. And he also says this. He says that fasting is a way to resist the original sin of trying to eat our way to happiness and to force ourselves to look to God for our fullness. Now, I don't know about you, but I 100% fall into that eating our way to happiness thing. If I feel stressed out or anxious or whatever, food is the first thing that I go to for comfort. I'm guessing that that's some of you too. This idea of fasting, it's not, it's not some new fad like intermittent fasting. It's not just cool right now or healthy or whatever. It's actually been practiced for thousands of years. The Israelites, um, they used fasting to process their grief. They used it to um, praise God. They used it to contend for promises that he had made. And they used it for repentance. So there's a holiday, a Jewish holiday called Yom Kippur. And that's the Day of Atonement. And that's actually in all of the Jewish religion. That's the only required fast out of all of their different traditions. And the reason why it's their only required fast, I think, is because it's a day of repentance. And that in fasting, they're mirroring this idea of we're empty, God. We're empty because we took you out of the spot that you were supposed to be and we tried to put other things in it. And so they repent for that. And that feeling of emptiness helps to mirror that. And they realized in that that there's no amount of law following or sacrificing or doing all of the right things that can fill that spot. Only God can. The first time that I ever fasted food, I was in high school. And I was at a youth camp. And uh, so we, our youth group decided that we were going to fast for 24 hours. And so I think we started at like 10 o'clock at night and then went until like 10 o'clock the next morning. And I will tell you what, Wendy's at 11 o'clock at night was the best food I've ever had in my entire life. It was so good. Um, but the other thing that I remember about that fast was how often I just reached for food. Like I would almost get it like in my mouth. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. 
And I remember thinking, this is really hard. But church, that's the reality of what fasting is. Fasting is hard. Emptying our God spot of the things that we have used to cope for years is really hard. But here's the thing about doing hard things. It's not about what's happening on the outside. It's not about the external. It's about what God is doing internally in our hearts. And in that way, fasting, it helps us remember that God is the only thing meant to fill that God spot. The other thing that fasting does is it reveals to us a lot about who we really are. So has anyone else, as you were fasting this week, not been very fun to be around? That was, that was me. I like totally like over-exaggerated some things that were not a very big deal this week. Last night, I had a friend tell me that her son was nudging her during that. <laughs> like, yeah, mom, you were really grumpy. But I want, what I want to know is in that discomfort, I mean, we are obsessed with comfort and ease in our culture, right? So when we make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable, can we do that and go to God instead? Can we go to him when we feel a little bit uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable and say, God, what do you want to reveal to me in this? Now, you may be thinking that fasting, the idea of it feels super overwhelming right now. You're like, oh, that must be for the like professional Christians. But no, I want to help you today. I want to give you some tools that will help you actually be able to do this and realize that it's not, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. It's not that difficult to do. So if you decided, eh, I'm not going to do that, you don't have to wait until next year to do it again. You can just start today. It's totally fine. You can do the next two weeks or you can go three weeks if you want. But here are some little tools and uh, tricks that can help you make it something that's super practical and applicable to your life. So the first thing that we do with any new habit is we always start small, right? You don't have to say, oh, yep, I'm going to fast for 40 days. That would be too much. You could just try fasting for one day. In fact, over Christmas, um, part of my Advent was to fast from my phone while I was waiting. So like in line at the grocery store or waiting at like the dentist's office or whatever at a red light. And guys, it was really hard. <laughs> like I didn't even realize how the second that I'm not being entertained or doing something, what do we do? We grab our phones. It was so revealing to me. I thought it was gonna be this small thing and it ended up being pretty big. Now that you know that you don't have to start big, I want you just to take a minute and we're gonna decide what and so the best way to do that is just to ask Jesus. He's got the answer for you. And so I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads and take about 10 seconds and just ask Jesus, Jesus, what do I run to for comfort instead of you? Just take a second and ask him right now. All right, if you did not get something yet, I want you to keep asking through the rest of today and even into tomorrow and just kind of pay attention because he'll, he'll show you what you run to for comfort the second that a stressful thing happens. Now, if you got a tangible item that's like, 
Pretty clear, you just, you just choose not to do that. You just fast from that. If you've got something more along the lines of like achievement or busyness, um, I wanna encourage you to practice Sabbath, which is just fasting from work. Now, what that does not mean is that you cannot call your boss tomorrow and say, hey, my pastor told me to fast from work this week, so I'm taking vacation, right? No, just pick a day and do Sabbath for that day. After you've decided what you're going to do, then you can decide when or how long. So like I said, you can fast for the next two weeks with us. You can fast for three weeks. You can fast for a day. Um, Justin Whitmill Early actually suggests that we fast from something for 24 hours every week. And I'm actually thinking that that might be what I do, how I continue this practice past the 21 days. Because like I said, remember, we're starting habits, right? Not just doing it and then being done. Now, when you are fasting, I want you to pay attention to what you notice about yourself during your fast. Are you irritable? Are you uncomfortable? Are you tired? Good. Let that point to the places where we're trying to fill up with the wrong things. Fasting is not meant to be this joyful, glorious experience. It's supposed to be kind of humbling. If you find yourself bored, like because you've given up entertainment or something, I'm going to say very good to that. And I'll tell you what I tell my kids all the time. Boredom is the basis of all creativity. So who knows? how creative you might end up after this. In other words, what I'm saying is like, it's okay, right? We can do without the phones. We can do without all of the things. It's okay to be bored. So now that you've said you're not gonna do something, I want you to decide how you're gonna replace it. What are you gonna do instead? Now you could pray. You could spend that time connecting with your family. You could serve others, right? What I guess I'm really saying is like, don't fast from your TV and then play on your phone instead. That would defeat the purpose, right? And God's been really talking to me lately about this idea of consuming instead of um, contributing. And so think about those things that we typically give up during a fast. They're consuming things, right? They're things that we are consuming. And so as you think about how you're going to replace it, think about how instead of consuming something, you can use it as a way to contribute. So fast food, but serve a meal to someone else. Fast scrolling on social media and instead make a post that's actually encouraging and uplifting to the people that will read it. My husband and I fasted from TV a few years ago, um, like at night before we go to bed. And, uh, you know, I think we, we read a lot, we talked a lot, but there are things, some of the most significant changes in our marriage started during those three weeks, during that fast. And I won't ever forget that. The point isn't really what exactly the details of what you're fasting or how long or whatever. It's about leaning into what God is revealing to you when you find yourself empty. It's about finding our true comfort in Christ. 
So now that we've done the work of cleaning everything out, we can't just leave it like this. Can't just leave it empty. I don't know about you guys, but at my house, if I clear off a surface, somebody is bound and determined to come and set something on that surface that I just cleaned up, right? And it's the same thing in our hearts. We can't empty ourselves and God doesn't just like jump right in. We have to intentionally put him there. And prayer is a key component to that. It is the most intentional and practical and easily accessible to everyone way to restore that connection with our Father and get him back in the God spot where he was always supposed to be. Now, I know that some of you here today, you probably have some misconceptions about prayer. If you grew up in a church like in the 90s, like I did, and uh, you would take communion every week and the elder would pray for five minutes for every element, and he would go on and on and on, it was kind of easy to pick up an idea that prayer is boring, right? And some of us were probably taught really easy and practical ways to pray, like that prayer is just giving thanks, or prayer is asking God for what we need or want from Him. And yes, it can be those things. And yes, prayer doesn't have to be this exciting, charismatic thing all the time. But if that is your only definition of prayer, I want to tell you that there's an entirely new world available to you. Because I would suggest that prayer is one of the most intimate things that we can do. Like, why do you think so many of us have trouble praying out loud in front of other people? I know so many married couples that they don't pray together because it's too, it's too intimate. It's too close. Isn't that amazing? It is such a deepening, intimate thing to pray. You know, when I was over in Grace Kids, we used to teach them that prayer was uh, simply talking to Jesus. And the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it like this. They say, just talk to Jesus like you're talking to someone who you love very much. Wow. I love talking to people that I love. And I want you just to take a second, and I want you just to think back to the last good conversation that you had with somebody who you love very much. And just take a minute and relive that. I see a lot of you smiling because maybe it was a really good conversation. I think about laughter and joy and just giggling and having so much fun talking to my best friend. And sometimes those are hard conversations too, right? But they're real and you know that because of your relationship that you can get through it. So if you were going to call your best friend after today, what would you tell them? That's exactly the way that you can pray. Oh my goodness, God, this happened today and I feel really stressed out about this, but I know that you've got it. He's just like your best friend and someone that you love very much. And on the flip side of that, I would ask that if you've ever had a relationship where you were very close to someone and you quit talking to them very much, what happened? You start to become distanced, right? You start to disconnect. 
And it's because you're not in constant communication with them. And it's the same with our relationship with our Father. Now, it could be that still that prayer feels a little bit overwhelming to you. And so I want to give you some tools and tricks if you don't have a prayer habit yet that can help you start. And just like with fasting, we always start small. You don't have to come here and pray in front of a bunch of people for four hours to start. You can just start with one line that you pray every morning when you wake up. Then you can decide when. I know for me, it's really helpful to have reminders or alarms set on my phone so that I remember, because guess what happens throughout my day? I get busy, and I forget, and I get distracted, and I don't think to go to God first. And so I have reminders set to remind me to pray throughout the day. And it's helping me develop that habit constantly. The next thing, and this is really important, I want you to decide how you're going to pray. All right, so here's why this matters. See, God created you as a unique person, and he has a unique relationship with you. And what that means is that you can pray in a way that is in line with how God designed you. Back in November, we had a prayer and worship night, and at the last minute, um, my son, we decided that my son was going to come with me. And he's 10, and he's really active. And I'll be really honest with you, neither of us was looking forward to this prayer and worship night then, because he was very worried that it would be very boring for a long time. And I was worried that he would be bored and therefore be a problem for me. And I was so excited when Carl said, you can get up and move around during the prayer time. And I thought, that's it. That's it for my boy who loves to move. And so I stood him up and we walked around this auditorium and we wove in and out of the seats and through the aisles. And his love language is touch. And so I held his hand and I put my arm around him. And we prayed about this thing and that thing. And we took turns and we got back to our seats at the end of the prayer time. And he said, wow, mom, that went really fast. He said, I want to do that again. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you allow us to pray in the way that you made us. And so if you want to create, create, move, dance, sing, pray out loud, pray in your head, pray in the spirit, pray with your friends. There's no right or wrong way. Just make sure that you do it in a way that fits with how God created you. Like I know I cannot pray inside of my head. My brain will wander. And so I have a prayer journal, and I write my prayers out because it keeps me focused on what I'm doing. And I don't know about you, but I cannot pray in bed. Like, I have to get up and move to somewhere else, or I will just fall asleep. That's an important thing to understand, that our our spirits and our minds and our bodies, they're connected. And so I would encourage you to get maybe a little bit out of your normal comfort zone this week as you pray and try something different. I want you to try to do something physical with your body that shows what you're doing. So kneel to pray. Stick your hands out. Those of you that raise your hands during worship, you know, you know that something shifts when our bodies do something that fits what our minds and spirits are doing. It just releases something different. If you don't know where to start, you can just open up your Bible to Psalms and pray a Psalm. 
All the words are written out there for you. You don't even have to come up with it. You can pray anywhere and always. When you're thankful and overjoyed and excited and blessed. And you can pray when you're torn and hurting and grieving. You can pour your heart out to God. There's a lot of times that I'll go out for a run and I'll be praying during my run and I'll find myself just weeping as I'm running. Now, luckily, guys, I don't live around here. I live out in the country, so probably y'all are not going to see me crying and running at the same time. So that's good. But my neighbors might. (laughs) But the point is, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in your car or here at church. There's no, like, defined space that you have to be to encounter God and pray. We've got a really cool opportunity for you guys coming up. It starts tomorrow at noon. It's our 24-hour prayer vigil. And this is actually one of my very favorite things that we do all year long. And so we just open up the youth center across the way for 24 hours. And you can get online and you sign up for an hour to come and pray. Now, I remember signing up the first year and going, how am I going to pray for an hour? And at the end of an hour, I thought, can I just keep praying for another hour? It was so good, and God met me there. So I would encourage you to sign up for that today, especially if uh, you would like to pray in those wee morning hours. I'm sure that we have some spots open there. But we're going to be covering this place in prayer for 24 hours. As we think about these habits of prayer and fasting, these, these habits, they're like muscles. They need to be strengthened little by little over time. You're not just going to go do some big thing to begin with. You develop it by practicing it over and over and over. But church, you have to decide to start. You have to decide that you are going to do this. And as you do this, I want you to remember that the whole point of this is intimacy with our Father. It's not performing for Him. When it becomes performing and checking off boxes, it becomes legalistic and religious, and it's not what God intended it to be. This should be a way to encounter a closer relationship with our Father God and Jesus. As we begin to kind of wrap things up, today I want you to take your Bibles out again if you have them. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. I have something cool to show you. I'm just going to read these first couple of verses about the temptation of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now go back and read that again. He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. You guys, he knew why he was going. He knew what he was about to encounter. And what did he choose to do? What was his response? To fast. You know, I've always read these verses and thought, well, isn't that just like the devil? To show up when Jesus is at his weakest and tempt him. I don't read it that way anymore. No, church, because see, Jesus was ready for Satan because he fasted. 
Satan didn't stand a chance because Jesus had spent 40 days fasting and praying in preparation for this battle with the devil. And not only that, but in the next verses, we see that this is when Jesus starts his ministry. And how does he choose to prepare to start his ministry? By fasting. And so my question for you as we end today is what could God be getting you ready for this year? What outpouring of his love and his favor, what blessing, what hardship or temptation, what breakthrough could he have for you this year? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to just keep coping the way that you always have? Or are you going to clean it out and put him back where he belongs? And what could happen if you did so as we finish up and as the music plays before the last song, I just want you to take a minute and again, just close your eyes and ask God, God, what are you getting, re getting me ready for this year? And then I want you to decide if you're going to prepare the same way that Jesus did. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you. <laughs>